All right, so something a little different today. Uh-oh, you say, all right? <laughs> uh, you know, normally when I fill in up here, I, I walk word by word or phrase by phrase through a passage of Scripture, but I want to look at a topic today. So we're going to do a little topical survey of, a, of uh, something in Scripture. And we want to look at something today that should be and is a fundamental characteristic of every believer, any and every believer. Because when somebody really understands the gospel of Jesus Christ, then this characteristic should be uh, true of them, and it should grow and deepen over time. It goes by a few names, but I'm talking about Thanksgiving, right? It's not just a feast in November, right? It is something that should be true of us as believers. Uh, we also call it gratitude, right? Gratitude or thanksgiving or thankfulness, right? All kinds of different terms for it. And so what should characterize our lives as believers is an attitude of gratitude, right? Just thankful people, and there really is no alternative, and it also can really help us deal with the world that we live in. So we want to look at that this morning. So we'll start off, first of all, what is it? What's the word that's used uh, in Scripture when we're talking about uh, thankfulness or gratitude or being thankful or giving thanks? And the root word uh, in the New Testament in the Greek is Eucharist. That's uh, the word. Um, That is translated in several different forms. It has two main forms in the New Testament. And I'm not a Greek scholar, and I don't play one on TV. Uh, So I don't know all the grammar here, but if you put an IA on the end, Eucharistia, is the word that's often translated thanksgiving or gratitude uh, in Scripture. If you put an EO on the end, Eucharistio, it's most, mostly translated as give thanks. So those are the two forms of the word. You know, one is, sounds a little more like a noun, one is more like a verb with the giving of thanks, the actual action. So those are the two words, and between those two forms... They're used 53 times in the New Testament. So that's, uh, that's a lot. And we'll stay in the New Testament this morning. I mean, but you know how thankfulness pervades the Scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. And so it pervades the Old Testament as well, especially the Psalms. Right? Well, we're going to be looking at, at this word in the New Testament this morning. So what I did is I took those 53 occurrences... And I looked them up and threw them in the different categories. And we'll take a look this morning just to get an overview of this topic since it's Thanksgiving week. So we'll start out with why Thanksgiving is important, in fact, fundamental. And we'll look at that. Then we'll look at several different aspects of and, and reasons for Thanksgiving out of several of these verses. And finally end up talking about, well, how do I do this when life is hard and I don't really feel like it? 
at times in our lives, right? So let's start with this concept of thanksgiving and the fact that it is foundational. I mean, if there's a house that represents the Christian life, you'd have to dig down in the dirt a little and look at the foundation, and that should be thankfulness down there, gratitude. It is foundational. And it's essential to life as a believer. It is not some optional tag-on that, you know, you go through and, and you try and build this up as you go along. It's, it's not an optional thing. Now, why? So let's look at the scriptures and see why this is such a big, foundational, essential deal. Well, first of all, it is a direct command to us as believers, right? 1 Thessalonians 5.18 is where we'll start. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. And that verse says, give thanks. So there's our, there's our word right there. In all circumstances. Okay. All circumstances. So give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's pretty clear and direct, isn't it? We are commanded. And so if you ever run across someone who's unsure of the will of God for their life, well, bam, there it is, right? We are to be thankful, to give thanks in all circumstances. I mean, you just don't get any clearer than this. You are commanded as a clear and direct part of the will of your Creator for you and your everyday life to give thanks always. Now at that point, we could close the book and go home, right? We have our command and that's all we need. (laughs) But we're going to do like our two-year-olds do, right? When they get in that phase of life and they ask why. And why, and why, and why, and why, and they ask you why all the time, because they're expanding their minds and they're gaining gobs of understanding. And so we want to do the same with the Bible for the same reasons. So we are to give thanks in all circumstances. That sounds pretty good, but why? So I run around being thankful. So what? What's so foundational about that? So next, we want to go a little deeper then and turn to a passage that's not normally associated with thankfulness, but there's an important aspect to see to it. So turn to Romans 1. And while you're going to Romans 1, we're going to look at a few verses there. Let's set this up. So Paul is starting his 11-chapter deep doctrinal dive into what is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And within that book, from chapter 1 up to chapter 3, verse 20, so almost three chapters worth where he starts off, he is presenting the bleak picture of reality. You know, as he says there at the end in 319, he says, I'm shutting every mouth. 
Right? So as he tells us in this section of Scripture about who we really are and our true condition before a holy God, and we keep coming up with, yeah, buts, right? He's saying, no, I, I'm shutting every mouth in this section of Scripture and bringing every single person under God's condemnation. And as he does this in this section, he takes us to the depths right, of what sin is. And in this section, I mean, it's like Paul takes a deep breath and he dives down to see what sin is at the bottom. And there's something pretty surprising here. So we'll start in Romans 1.18 and look at this section here. He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness... Suppress the truth. Okay, so the first thing we find here is that, is that by nature, we suppress the truth. Right? I get this mental picture of us. I mean, the truth is trying to pop up and we are pushing it down. Right? Suppressing the truth. Don't want to see it. Well, what truth? Verse 19. For what can be known about God... Is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So this truth that we're suppressing is the truth of God as our creator. And therefore, we have a responsibility to Him. And we, by nature, then, have a problem with and rebel against Genesis 1-1. That's part of it, that we are created, and the Creator gets to set the rules, not the creature. All right, what's this got to do with Thanksgiving? Well, let's get there in the next verse, the bottom line. So what is down here at the core of this nature within us, as Paul lays it out here, this sinful nature. Verse 21, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So Paul tells us, that down here at the very root, it's a lack of thanksgiving. Right? We're not thankful. We're not grateful to our Creator. We will not give Eucharistio to God. No attitude of gratitude towards God. We don't give Him the honor and the thanks He is due because of our pride. So ingratitude is at the core. How about that? And so he goes on in verse 22 and says, Well, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images, resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So no honor, no thankfulness, no gratitude 
to God leads to a, a glory exchange. Creature for creator. So that's just how fundamental thanksgiving is. Or gratitude is. You ever thought about that? I mean, when Paul is breaking it down here in this section of Scripture, there is a refusal to be thankful to God. And it's like he's saying, all men are shaking their fist at this guy and saying, I will not be thankful to you. And so they worship stuff, mainly ourselves. All right, now let's look at the flip side. And let's turn to 2 Corinthians 4, 15. So 2 Corinthians 4, 15. This is almost the total opposite. So there it says, for it's all for your sake. And he's been talking about resurrection and all this other wonderful stuff. And he says, for it is all for your sake, so that, and this is very interesting, as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving. Isn't that interesting? To the glory of God. So the gospel of grace is extending to more and more people for a reason. To increase thanksgiving. And that thanksgiving brings God glory. So the giver of all good gets the glory through our thanksgiving. Our being grateful to Him. Showing gratitude to Him for everything. So again, thankfulness is just fundamental to our lives as believers. So if if we break these two things down, in one sense, our basic problem is ingratitude to God. Or unthankfulness, which ends in our glory stealing from Him. And the solution of the gospel is to get us back to gratitude and thankfulness and glory giving back to Him. Well, that's why it's so foundational. I mean, one more time, we see that thankfulness is fundamental and essential. It is not an option. This tag-on that we do, it is commanded of us. It is a, the clear, stated will of God for our lives. And it is at the core of the problem of all mankind. And it is the goal to the increase of thanksgiving to the glory of God. It's not optional and it's not some nice to have character addition. It should characterize us as believers to be grateful people, thankful people. So now we want to, we want to, Take this, you know, Eucharistio, this Thanksgiving, and treat it like a diamond and look at all the facets of it from from these uh, 53 places that it shows up in Scripture here. And so one of the facets we want to look at here is, is we as the church, 
We are to gather for the purpose of thanksgiving to God. Right? Worship of Him through thanksgiving to Him. And it should characterize our services. I mean, all the way from our biblical book of, of songs, which are the Psalms that are just literally filled with thanksgiving, right, from beginning to end, um, to very specific instances. One of the uses of, of this word in the New Testament is in 1 Corinthians 14. And Paul is dealing there, interestingly enough, with the church's abuse of speaking in tongues. And one of the things he comes back with is he says, otherwise, if you give, and this is 1 Corinthians 14, uh, verse 16, he says, otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. Right? So we can pull from that use of the word that you know, when we gather together, uh, we are to be building one another up through our mutual thanksgiving to God and being grateful to Him. And so, you know, if everybody's running around babbling in these tongues that nobody understands, Paul says, what good is that? When the outsider comes in, he can't agree with your thanksgiving if you don't know what they're saying. That was an interesting facet of this word. Here's another one that I hadn't thought much about. Another facet. That thanksgiving is the point of our giving. This gratefulness to God is the point of our giving. So here we want to look at 2 Corinthians 9. Second Corinthians 9. And verses 11 and 12. And here Paul is saying, You will be enriched in every way. And here's the point. To be generous in every way. Which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So there we are again. There's our word again. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. So, why do we give? Does God need it? No, of course not. He tells us in Psalm 50, For the beast of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? No, offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. So God's not served by human hands. But our giving results in thankfulness to God in the recipients. 
So as we're giving and it's being used to meet needs out there, people are thankful to God for the provision of that. And it increases thanksgiving to God, which increases the glory to God, brings more glory to Him. Do you ever think about that? That That's one of the reasons we give, is so that that God can be glorified through the gratitude of those when the needs are met. Interesting, huh? All right, another facet of this is it sanctifies ordinary things when we do or take or consume things with thankfulness to God. So for that, we'll look at Romans 14. And in Romans 14, Paul is is dealing with some issues. This is the chapter where Paul is dealing with Believers that are out there passing judgment on one another over preference issues. And in this case, things like celebrating certain days or not, or eating meat or not. And so he is dealing with that. And we learn some interesting things about Thanksgiving here. So notice what he says in Romans 14. Verse 6, he says, The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. And then this next sentence, notice the parallel here. He says, The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, The opposite action, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. So what's Paul saying here? Paul is like, chill out over this. As long as it's not a clear prohibition of something that you can point to in God's Word, And as long as your brother is doing something that they can give thanks to God for, then that is the point. They are giving thanks to God. Thanksgiving to God gives glory to God, and that's the point of all creation. And if the eating of this meat in one person is doing that because they are grateful to God for the provision of it, That's the point. And if abstaining from eating the meat in another person is doing the same thing, maybe they're being thankful to God because He has recently delivered them out of idolatry, right? And this meat may have been offered to the idol that they were just delivered from. And so they are thankful to God in their abstention. That's the point, right? They are both thankful to God. Both are good. It isn't about meat, but it's about that gratitude that brings glory to God. And in 1 Corinthians 10.30, is the sort of the same issue. He's dealing with that there, over their preference and conscience issues. 
And although he knows all things are lawful, right? He's going to watch out for his brother's conscience and not do things to hurt his brother. But he ends there with the fact that, well, but his conscience won't be held hostage either. If I partake with thankfulness, 1 Corinthians 10.30, if I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced? Because of that for which I give thanks. If he partakes with thankfulness, then whatever it is is sanctified. And then he goes on to say in that verse that we all know in verse 31 there, so... Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's the point. And what's the main way you do that? When you eat or drink or whatever you do, doing it to the glory of God. One of the main ways we can do that is to give the glory to God in everything by being thankful and grateful to Him. And then in 1 Timothy 4.3, he's dealing there with false teachers who have brought in their legalism and trying to add all this stuff to the gospel. And so in 1 Timothy 4.3, he says, Through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, he's not holding back here on these false teachers who who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. Right, so all of this together is just interesting because it, um, you know, it tells us that one of the reasons that all of this stuff has been created and exists is so it can be used as a conduit for our thanksgiving to God for it, bringing more glory to Him when we put things to good use and how they are used for good, and we have an attitude of gratitude. As we use it for His glory. Okay, another facet of this Eucharistio word that we're looking at this morning is how it should characterize our speech, just day to day speech. So, this is 1 Thessalonians 5 4. Now, we all know probably the first part of this verse. He says, Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. Period. No, there's no period there. First Thessalonians 5.4. Well, that's what I typed, but that could be a typo. (laughs) 
That's Ephesians 5.4? Man, I was way off. I must have had 1 Thessalonians on the brain for some reason. All right, Ephesians 5.4. Thank you. All right, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. So we often use the first part of that verse, don't we? And we concentrate on what we as believers don't do, don't say, shouldn't say. But that's half the verse. So in the sense of the put off and put on, this isn't just a prohibition of what we should not do. It's a command of what we should do instead. And so we may have stopped swearing and we may have stopped telling off-color jokes and you know, all the, the locker room stuff, per se. But that's not really the entire point of this verse, is it? Is there a lack of thanksgiving in our speech? Does our heart of gratitude overflow out of our mouth? I know it did for Paul. I mean, as we read his letters here, it's like, I thank God for this. I thank God for that. I thank God for you constantly. He is just constantly thanking God for everything as he's writing these letters. So maybe we should listen to ourselves a little bit and, and maybe be just as concerned when we hear a lack of thanksgiving in our own speech as we're talking with others than if we, you know, slip up and let the occasional word out when we stub our toe or hit our finger with a hammer or something. I'd be just as concerned for is gratitude coming out of my mouth as I'm dealing with people. I know it steps on my toes a little bit there. So let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Okay, another facet of this word is this thanksgiving or this gratefulness. It is the point of eternity. Right In Revelation 4.9, we see in Revelation here, where thanksgiving and gratitude goes on forever and ever. Right? And whoever the living and whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever. And Revelation seven, eleven and twelve says, And all the angels were standing around the throne, and around the elders, and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving, there's our word again, and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. We are never going to be in a situation where we should not be thankful uh, to God. We are dependent on Him at all times, right? 
And of course, there was Jesus as our example as he walked the earth as the second Adam, the perfect man, perfectly obeying with a perfect righteousness. And he exhibited uh, thankfulness. I mean, you remember at the feeding of the 5,000, right before he raised Lazarus from the dead, even at the Lord's Supper, where he gave thanks for what was about to occur. All three synoptic gospels record that Jesus took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to the disciples. All three of these are examples of the display of the glory of God, right? Something is about to occur. He is thanking his father for the feeding of the 5,000, raising Lazarus, the Lord's Supper. They're all pointing to an event that is going to glorify God. So that's the point. It's what thankfulness does. All right, another facet is it is expected from a right heart. Luke 17, 11 through 18 says this. This one always hurts a little bit. It says, on the way to Jerusalem, he, we're talking about Jesus here, this is Luke seventeen eleven. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. I mean, because you know, once you were diagnosed by the priests... Uh, you were outcast. Live outside the camp. Dire situation. And so Jesus is met by these ten lepers who cry out for mercy. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went... They were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. I think he throws that in there to make another point. Now listen to what Jesus says here. You don't want to be the cause of a sentence like this. Then Jesus answered, We're not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return And give praise to God, except this foreigner. As a believer, you don't want to be part of the nine. God keep us from being the nine. Oh, may we be the one who always returns and gives thanks to you. May we always be grateful and thankful for what he has done.
And a couple of warnings that are in here around this word. You know, we have a day in this country called Thanksgiving that we just celebrated, and we all probably believe a couple of pounds uh, heavier than we were at the start of the week, where people generically are thankful, all right? Unbelievers of all stripes can be and are thankful or grateful for things. It's not a particularly Christian uh, only thing to have some gratitude for things. So it's not about just having feelings of gratefulness. Right? Millions of people can be and at times are thankful for all kinds of things in their life. It's a common grace, but... So it's not just that you are thankful, it's where you direct your thanks. The context of everything we've looked at so far is giving thanks to God through Jesus Christ. And Ephesians 5.20 states it very plainly, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what makes it Christian gratitude. Where the thanks go. Not just the fact that we're thankful for something. Who are we thankful to? So that's one warning. And even then, there's an example of the use of this word directed where the... the Gratitude is directed even to the right place, but with a wrong heart. (laughs) It's a prideful thanks, which is an oxymoron. But but that's in Luke 18.11 where it says, The Pharisee, you know this story, the Pharisee and the tax collector, right? The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you. There's our word, Eucharistio that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. So we have to be on the guard for pride. It kills off any true, humble thankfulness to God, who is the giver of all good. True thankfulness arises out of a, a recognition of our need. And the recognition of God's grace and mercy towards our needs. Now, we are to give thanks at all times and in all circumstances. Ephesians 5.20, like we just read, says, Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So always is at all times. And for everything in all circumstances. So that pretty much covers everything, right? Good, bad, comfortable, painful, easy, hard. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So... In everything we do. So at all times, in all circumstances, in everything. So it's foundational. So that's another aspect of it. One more is it's an antidote to anxiety. Are you worried? Are you going nuts from what ifs? 
I know I can drive myself crazy with what ifs. Now, what do you do? Now, Thanksgiving is one of the antidotes to that. Philippians 4.6, right? Do not be anxious about anything. Yeah, right. <laughs> so what do I do when I do get anxious? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, there's our word, let your requests be made known to God. So no matter what the circumstance is, right, there are things you have at the good hand of God that you can praise Him for. And when you start praising God and you start thanking Him and you start counting those blessings <laughs> that He gives you and you don't deserve, anxiety starts to melt. And contentment is part of that as well, right? First Timothy 6 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For though we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world, but if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. Right? There are no U-Haul trailers behind hearses. Never seen one with a trailer hitch on the back, right? Can't take it with you. And if we can get to where Paul is here, that with food and clothing we're content, then you start to realize just how outrageously blessed we are. And that sense of gratitude can begin to rise and, and melt away anxiety and worry. Right, through this thanksgiving, we can begin to turn our what-ifs into even-ifs. Even-if. That's another way to deal with it. Right? We've been starting to sing a song in our worship service from the last verses of Habakkuk. Though the fig trees should not blossom nor fruit be on the vines. The produce of the olive fail, and the field yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will take joy in the God of my salvation. I am thankful to God for the joy and the salvation that He gives. Even if... Like Job, though you slay me, yet will I trust you. So thankfulness does help us to endure suffering. First Thessalonians 5, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So some of our circumstances are hard. In fact, some are crushing. So how does it work? So part of the answer is that even if, is even if I die, right? even if this is it, even if I starve to death, right? even if I'm homeless and die in the cold, even if there are things that await us that we just can't even imagine. Hebrews 12, 28, Therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. There is a kingdom coming, and it's permanent, and it can't be shaken. We can be grateful for that.
So let's take a few minutes this morning and just, you know, what if times are hard right now and I'm overcome with circumstances and anxiety is ruling the day and I just don't know what to be thankful for. I'm just not feeling it. But I'm commanded to be thankful. But the want to just isn't there. I'm just too beat down. What do I do? Well, just start meditating on the truth that you do know. Do you have a pulse? Every one, every is a gift. Every heartbeat is a gift. You don't, what have you done to deserve it? Every heartbeat is a gift. Can you see? I love the fall. Nobody paints like God. Right? Especially up in the mountains, we can see it. It's just beautiful. I was up at my parents' a couple of weeks ago, place, and it was just gorgeous. Right? Do I deserve to be able to enjoy that? No. Do you have a spouse, children, grandchildren, parents, family? Right? Do you have enough finances, a job to cover the basics? I did a couple of quick Google searches. There are 195 countries in the world today. You live in the ninth richest country per capita, average income per person. You're in the ninth richest country in the world. The only ones above us are things like Monaco and these little small countries where practically everybody's an engineer. (laughs) So you're in the ninth richest country per capita in the world based on average income per person. If you are currently below or right at the 2018 U.S. poverty level, you are still like nation number 38. You know, so when you hear people say, well, if you're poor in America, you're still rich, It backs that up. You're like the 38th richest nation in the world if you're at the U.S. poverty level. So if you aren't starving and living out in the cold, are you thankful? What have you done to deserve that? And that's just a small sampling. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 should start to rise within our hearts as we contemplate and meditate on these truths. Which says, what do you have that you did not receive? We start thinking about that. Do you have a good church that teaches and leads you in God's truth? And lots of fellow believers who care about your soul and your well-being. Do you deserve that? Do you have elders who will do the hard thing and come after you should you stray? Thankful for that? Do you have the truth of God that will save you from the coming wrath written down in your own language that you can get and copy and and read whenever? These days it's available everywhere. It's in our pocket all the time. Well, men died for that. Are there riots in the streets today? 
you know, somewhere, I'm sure, <laughs> but not here, pretty peaceful, right? That's just common grace. Ever think about that, the common grace that God pours out on us? That God holds things together, that He restrains, He actively restrains the evil of men's hearts so that our society functions and we don't destroy one another? Never thankful for that? I was thinking about, you know, Stuart Scott, one of the things he said and says often is, did you wake up in hell this morning? Well, if not, everything above that is a blessing. Because that's what we deserve. And so everything above that is a blessing we don't deserve. Not only that, do you realize that you live in the light of a loving and absolutely sovereign God? And that nothing happens to you that doesn't filter through Him. And it's for your good, for His glory. Do you realize that as a believer, every sin, past, present, the ones I'll do today, Oh, my future ones, however many of these heartbeats I have left, they've been wiped, nailed to a cross. Do you realize that you have an absolutely perfect righteousness and a perfect obedience right now? It's yours now, imputed to you. Count it as yours. You didn't do it. It was given to you as a gift. You do nothing to earn it, and you do nothing to keep it. It's a gift from God through Christ. Do you realize that one day that imputed perfection will be a reality? When you are transformed in the blink of an eye. And then every want to, every desire will be perfectly righteous. Not only that, do you have a clue as to what awaits us as believers? Christ is returning and heaven awaits and will reign with him. That just blows my mind. And in eternity, no more pain while he will wipe every tear. And when you weigh all this against what we so richly deserve, That thankfulness, that gratitude can start rising within us and wells up as we just take a few minutes and meditate on the truth of what God has revealed in His Word.